and Carrie, the show where we don't just report on French science, spirituality, and claims of the paranormal, but take part ourselves. Yep, when they make the claims, we show up so you don't have to. I'm Carrie Poppy. And I'm Ross Blotcher. And uh, we're back. We're freaking back. With more Eck. Excellent. We've returned to our Eck and Car investigation. Last time we left you in the middle of a conference. Yes, we did. Then we left so we could do some numerology. But... We're back. You want to know what's going on at that Ekenkar convention. Yeah, the, the Minneapolis. The spring seminar. Mm-hmm, the year of giving. So at this point, we split up. Yes. We said, let's not make a podcast anymore. <laughs> I'm going my own way. That's interesting. I just went my own way, still thinking we would podcast about it. All right, well. I guess I got I, my way. I clearly misread the situation. <laughs> I went off, I was looking at that schedule, and boy, there's a lot of programming going on at all times. You yeah. can do whatever you want. And there's a lot of people there. There's enough people mm-hmm. for, for all of these different activities. So I chose to go to the round tables. And I said to myself, I've never been really to a round table. King Arthur made such a good yeah. promise and yeah. really just want to make that dream come alive. I'm hoping that uh, a wizard will turn into a fish and be like, if you go left, you must go right. If you go up, you've got to go down. And then you'll find like a cute boy squirrel and exactly. he'll chase you around. Yes. And then you'll good. have to be Thank like, for following. I'm not interested in you in that way. Right. Boy squirrel. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Thank you for understanding. That was a pretty deep cut. <laughs> Um, as long as Madame Mim shows up eventually. So you could have chosen between the Eck Artist Skill Shop or All the Way Home to God. Okay. A workshop for high initiates. Oh, you couldn't oh, go to that. Okay. Yeah, that sounds like something I'd want to go to, but okay. The How to Tell Your Eck Stories to Inspire Others. That's where I went. It sounds good. Unlocking the Spiritual Truth in Your Dreams. You know what? I think I tried to go there and it was full. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. And then you were banished to the round table. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's right. You know A what? A round table. Is that Monty Python? No, that's Camelot. Uh, at this conference, I wanted to get as much sort of baseline information as I could. I still felt a little bit like I was floundering in the darkness, you know, kind of cobbling spiritually. together. <laughs> spiritually. And then also kind of cobbling together what exactly Eckists believe. Yeah. I didn't feel like I got this very, like, foundational understanding at any point. I think I felt very similarly that there were all these little pieces, but how do they all fit together? Yeah. There's There's the roadmap. So I felt like that thing about dreams that would probably help me. A a later event will help me. I guess other people felt that way too. And that's why it was filled up. Yeah. So I went to this round table thing. Shall I tell you about it? A round table. Yes. So in this big room, they had a bunch of tables and each table had a different topic they were talking about and so there was a sign next to each table saying what you'd be discussing there as i walked in i was a little bit late because i had tried to go to that other event Mm -hmm. so everyone was already seated and i had this very sort of quick lay of the land and like "Eh, i gotta pick something i gotta pick something and everyone's kind of like looking over like are you gonna pick my team kind of thing okay they look like they wanted you there yeah i felt wanted oh good yeah not like sights taken yeah no it was a it was an inviting glance But so I looked around, and the one that stuck out to me was humor and spirituality. Humor. Yes. So Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. I mean, the description really is just round tables. Yeah. Were there many people there? There were, yeah. Okay. I would say there were probably... Now, I didn't write this down, so I'm thinking back on it. But I would say there were probably 15 tables. 
and there were a few that probably had like five people. But that okay. was probably the smallest table. Okay. Pretty good. All right. So I went over to Humor and Spirituality, a man coordinating there. He's kind of a public figure. He writes songs about Ack and stuff, so I think it's okay to say his name. Okay. His name was Larry Siegel. So he was coordinating it. It was that same sort of structure that we're used to in the X Center near us. So yeah, the same same idea where there's someone who's a little more advanced in the circle who's directing the flow of conversation but not being too much of a traffic cop. Gotcha. Same idea. So Larry, pretty funny guy. You can tell he knows he's a funny guy. Okay. And he, it turns out, coordinates some comedy nights back home in New York where he's from. Oh, okay. So he's got some insights here on humor and spirituality. So he starts us off and he's talking about how people get offended about different kinds of jokes, especially if the joke is at the expense of a particular group they belong to. Oh, yeah. And he said, and you know, that makes perfect sense. You know, we don't want to cut people down with our humor. I did do a study, this is still Larry talking, I did do a study and realized that a lot of the jokes from different cultures are the same, and it's just who the joke's about that changes. So you might have mm. an identical Polish joke that is an <laughs> Irish joke somewhere else, you know. And so I'm sure you had to throw out all of your lawyer jokes, because <laughs> that's really the cornerstone of your humor. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I have found. I am always throwing our lawyer, Matthew, under the bus. Yeah, I think his point's obvious was the humor stands on its own but sometimes we feel like we need someone to be the butt of the joke sure and so we just force them into the structure so he said you know we should ask if our humor creates or destroys and everyone was like yes 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 and i'm kind of thinking like yeah i mean that is a good rule but it is it is actually a very cumbersome and hard rule right mm -hmm. like people run into problems with this all the time about punching up and punching down it's it's a really it's a really tough right and humor area. is often bursting bubbles that's kind of mm -hmm. what it does yeah so it's uh it's just one of those like yes that's a good rule actually when the rubber hits the road trying to apply it can be a lot more complicated than we're letting on in this little discussion mm -hmm. but sure uh, good rule so now we all just start going around and talking about times that humor was good. <laughs> it's, it's really what's happening here. So okay. it's that same effect of, you know, in Eck, you get just a lot of anecdotes of someone telling you their dreams or someone telling you a coincidence that just couldn't possibly have happened but did. Okay. The same thing going on here, except now we're talking about like times that humor did something good. So one woman explains that she had a friend in the hospital who started laughing about being in the hospital for so long, and a month later, she was healed. Okay. So the message there is laughter is the best medicine. Yep. Laughter heals. Okay. But Carrie's thinking, and sometimes you just get over things. Uh, well, and she was yeah, in a heal. hospital the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Well, that had nothing to do with it. <laughs> Had nothing to do with her recovery. Yeah. Hmm. So then one guy said, oh, yeah, there was this one time I ran over myself with my car and I laughed about it. And I'd be like, what? Back up. What? Don't no, even, don't back up. That's, that's how this happened. <laughs> but how do you run over yourself with your car? I know it's not the point of your story, sir, but <laughs> what? Mechanically, how does your foot or other part of your body get under the wheel while you were driving? Yeah. Anyway, he laughed about it. All right. And then he went to the well, hospital. Oh, I was going to say laughter is the best medicine, but he ruined it and went to the he hospital. He went to the hospital and he only had one broken bone. <laughs> 
and then he also mentioned he also used the hue. So, okay. you know, we're just sort of building stories about how <laughs> laughter is Only healing. broke one bone. His right. femur. Right. I know. I was thinking, like, which bone? Because it could be a <laughs> huge, huge freaking bone. So, yeah. Then we start talking about how the masters are very funny. Pretty much everyone here, besides me and one or two other people out of this group of 11 or 12, have clearly been hewing for a long time. And they've met the masters. They've met the masters. I mean, I've never met anyone funnier than Fubi Quant. <laughs> Fair. Yeah, I guess I have to say the same. So we're all talking about how the masters are just, they're so funny, they're so funny. And then everyone has examples, of course, of how the masters are funny, which translates to a dream they had. Okay. And the dream... <sighs> Telling a dream can be so tedious. <laughs> okay, so one lady had a dream that the masters were firemen and they were they were burying a man with a bag on his head who was dead. I mean, it, it sounded like a very dark dream to me, like very scary. Yeah. His firemen are burying a man. He has a bag on his head to suffocate him. But she's kind of chuckling as she tells it. And this is an example of how funny the masters are. And I, I believe at the end of it, she said the master said something to her like, well, did you like the show, Janine? And she's like, they're just so funny. They are so funny. Huh. But it's one of those, th- you know, when you try to tell a dream and you're like, but trust me, it was also funny. Right. But trust me, it was also creepy, you know? And it's like, okay, it's not translating here, but I guess you're right. <laughs> yeah, gotta gotta trust you on this one. Right. Okay. So Larry mentioned here that his first experience was with three masters. Three masters came to visit him in mm. his sleep, and they included Darwin Gross. Oh, did anybody recoil when he mentioned Darwin Just Gross? Just me. I threw up. Uh, <laughs> no, no one even responded. And I, but I was thinking like, oh, okay. You know, and he said the living ec master at the time, and he didn't bring up any drama or anything. It was very professional. Okay. Way to go, Larry Siegel. And just a reminder for anybody who's trying to keep track of these names, Darwin Gross was the living act master who got ousted and has been kind of erased from their history. Right. The second in the line of succession or the 972nd something? Okay. in succession, yeah. depending on how you count these things. <laughs> The right way or the crazy way. Oh, yeah. Okay. So here's another story. So one guy in our circle, he wanted his dreams interpreted. This is back before he joined Eck. Mm-hmm. And so he was at Kinko's and he saw a guy photocopying one of those little hue cards. And he was like, oh, what's that? Talks to the guy and he ends up going to Eckenkar. Well, then he had a dream wherein Paul Twitchell founder and discoverer of Ekankar, Mm -hmm. grabbed his collar and said, embrace your feminine side. That's the whole story. This is, again, what we're learning from this is <laughs> You're looking at me with crazy eyes. Was he still at the Kinkos or he had this dream later? Had the dream later. Okay. Yeah, so he ended up, so he goes to Kinkos, sees the Hue card, ends up going to an Ekankar Center. Okay, okay, okay. All right. Presumably becomes involved in it. Embrace F. your feminine side. Then Paul Twitchell grabs his collar in collar. a dream and says, Embrace your feminine side. Oh, I hope that happens to me. Yeah, sure. Because apparently it would be hilarious. <laughs> Can you imagine embracing your feminine side? Oh, no. Sounds <laughs> gross. Yeah. So the lesson of this seemed to be that Paul was being funny 
but also at the same time, one of those stories that's like, oh, it couldn't be coincidence. This is how I ended up in Ekankar and I was supposed to. I think mm. we had both of those rolled into one here. Okay, yeah. So then we were told to ask for help from the masters to find humor, you know, especially when life is tough. I think oh, okay. that's good advice. Sure, yeah. That's, that's often what I tell people when they try to do work like our work. I have a few reporting friends who are like, I don't know how you do it. I'll go undercover in something and I just feel very overwhelmed. I always tell them, find the way that it's funny. Mm, Even mm -hmm. if that's just to get you through the time that you're in there and later you're going to pull back and see a very serious thing was going on, like find the funny. Yeah. But okay, so the masters will help you find humor. That's what I'm going to start telling people. They won't let you down. And then this becomes everybody training stories about how funny they are. A time they told yeah? a very good joke. Oh, oh you should okay. have been there. <laughs> yeah, I remember every time I've been funny. <laughs> yeah, so when it came around to me, I was like, I got one. I got a story <laughs> about a singular time I was funny. So I wanted it to actually be pertinent in some way. So I told a story about a time that I was co-hosting Risk, mm -hmm. the, uh, the podcast and live show. And we had a guest who told this very evocative story about his family becoming smaller and smaller as people died or they became estranged. And there was a refrain in his story where he'd say, and that Christmas, there was one more empty seat at the table for Jenny. And then the next story would come and then he'd be like and then at christmas there were two empty seats at the table for jenny and for jeff and so on and oh, like man. yeah so there was this dead silence and you know heavy weight in the audience and then i have to come out and be like all right our next storyteller right <laughs> so i came out and i just said wow that family needs a smaller table oh. so, <laughs> so <laughs> that's good and thank you so they're like two scattered laughs in the audience of a hundred people and the rest are just like dead like this like oh my god <laughs> feeling like we cannot laugh at this and so i pulled my collar and went like yeesh or something like that no Fortun respect <laughs> fortunately beowulf my friend was up there with me and he turned to me and he said i thought it was body good job or something <laughs> I was telling this story now at the X7R, and as I told it, they all laughed at the punchline. Oh, good. It, I would love Thank it God. if they all just sat there looking at you like- Like in horror. Oh. No, they all laughed quite heartily. And then oh, I said, good. I said, well, thank you. That room did not laugh and like told them about it. And I said, but you know, I think I was still able to find it funny. Like even in that moment, I, it was funny to me that I was sort of playing a role where I'm like desperately trying to make you guys feel okay mm -hmm. and it doesn't quite work. And like, that's part of what being a comedian is. And like, it was, you know, it was totally okay, even though at the same time it wasn't okay. That was funny. And I just sort of was able to take this bird's eye view of the way that like, we're all trying to help each other. And that was the role I played in doing that yeah, right then. Yeah. So, but as I'm sort of like stumbling through my explanation, Larry was like, Okay, okay. He didn't get it at first, and I think he he sort of objected to this example because he wanted just sort of like purely everyone's being funny stories. Okay. So he, he was going, okay, okay. But then as I rounded to the end of my explanation, he was like, okay, I see what you're saying. Oh, you know what? Wow. Wow. This is a perfect example. You know what? Oh. Wow. Because when you pulled back, you could just see how you were a part of the wheel. You could picture the whole wheel. 
Mm. And you're part in the wheel. Uh, and then, yeah, I kept referencing this wheel that, that clearly that analogy was working for him. Okay. Uh, but you were turning on this wheel and you were part of the wheel. Wow. You know what? I want to commend you. I want to commend you because you didn't give up, right? You didn't give up on comedy. You're still doing it. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, okay. Wow. Wow. This is, it. he just like, he really worked himself up okay. into like really liking this story. <laughs> so then my story kept getting re-referenced. As ah. we're all batting around our stories about how funny we are. So I'm assuming this is kind of similar to a workshop I had later. You sort of talked amongst your table, and then he wanted you to share with the entire room. Is that what was happening? Oh, no. Okay, it was all at all, your table. Yep. And Larry was presiding over your humor table. Yes. Meanwhile, people are having other deep revelations at their other... Was- right, they're talking about their dreams, probably. Boring. All, but, uh, okay. but yes. So then I will say Larry was a very good traffic cop of hmm. conversation. He was good at just sort of redirecting. He did a really cool thing where uh, maybe 10 minutes, 15 minutes before we were supposed to stop, he said, gosh, this has been so wonderful. What a wonderful conversation. I now want to open it up to anybody who hasn't spoken yet. No pressure. But nice. I just want to make sure you're not, you know, being edged out by the big talkers or whatever, yeah. um, which was really cool. So then there were three or four people who hadn't said anything yet, and everybody ended up speaking up. Oh, that's thought, great. Yeah, it's a really cool tactic. Yeah, well done. Yeah. And then he uh, gave his little sort of closing summary. He said, comedy is how we view life. And actually, the original definition of the word comedy means that the hero prevails. We used to have, you know, just comedy Hmm. and tragedy, and that's how you defined comedy. The hero prevails. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, with a tragedy, the hero obviously succumbs to some terrible fate. And so he's like, you know, take that with you, like when you're thinking about humor it's about us all prevailing us all being okay and i thought Ah, that's really lovely so then we all start dispersing and he kind of jogs over to me and he's like carrie 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 i loved your story god i just loved your story i was like oh i could tell yeah i'm really glad he's like so you're still doing comedy like yeah um you know i i do uh but not like stand up that often though sometimes it's more storytelling and public speaking and stuff that's funny he's like okay okay no great 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 great. i have this i have this thing in new york this event would you be interested in coming out for it and i'm like oh uh i don't know uh keep in touch (laughs) so I, i gave him my info but he was like talking about flying me to new york and i was like you're gonna google me and not want this and he hasn't contacted you he has not yet used that email address okay so we'll see all right but it was great oh and also (laughs) his name was larry my name's carrie i was sitting next to a harry oh come on what's going on that is fun stuff yeah no that's humor you know i've got a good quip (laughs) i think i know what it is it's a toothbrush okay i thought so (laughs) i have the same quip is yours the same color? I don't know. Mine has like a rose gold band that Mine goes Mine too. Whoa! Well, it's a fantastic toothbrush. And uh, now we have a red one as well because Kara also uses a quip and enjoys it. And, uh, you nice. know, it's uh, just that time of year. It's the perfect gift for maybe a new grad or a gift for your dad. You can treat their teeth to an electric toothbrush from Quip and help them build good habits for the future. Quip features sensitive sonic vibrations, a built-in two-minute timer, and a multi-use cover that doubles as a mirror mount. It's the little tube that sticks to a surface on the side of your sink 
and then you can just plop your toothbrush right in there. And then it uh, stays dry and clean. And brush heads are automatically delivered on a dentist-recommended schedule every three months for just, get this, five buckaroos. Whoa. There's also a new kid's brush, which is the same as the original version, just sized down for smaller mouths. So, hey. If you're listening to this, you probably have a mouth. You probably have teeth in it. I'm not I'm not assuming you might not. But if you do and you want a toothbrush, why don't you join the over 1 million happy, healthy mouths that love Quip? Quip starts at just $25 and if you go to getquip.com/ohno right now, you can get your first refill pack for free. That's your first refill pack free at getquip.com/ohno. Okay, so while you were at your round table learning how to be funny. Uh-huh. Finally. Which our listeners will appreciate. Um <laughs> The last eight years they've been like, God, when is she going to pull oh, it together? Stop telling us about your dreams, Carrie. <laughs> Every show. I went to a workshop called How to Tell Your Ex Stories to Inspire Others led by Benny and Patty. And we were going to explore how divine spirit is working in your life. Learn how to craft your ex stories with love and spiritual meaning to share with others. So this feels like a peek behind the curtain. I know you have to be an ex member to attend, which you are. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, the way we craft our stories and try to get other people to join our things. Yes. That's that's pretty telling. So how exciting that you got to go. Absolutely. And uh, here, I'll show you a picture of... Moby. Benny and Patty. Yeah. Uh, sorry, that's a picture of Moby. Yeah. Or Richard Wiseman. Or Moby. I'm trying to give people names they know. <laughs> Who's the... Let's see, who does the woman look like? That's a good question. He, Not Moby. They are both wearing... White shirts and black trousers. I don't know if they coordinated. They both have glasses. Mm -hmm. He has a shaved head mm -hmm. with a bit of a goatee. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. uh, and Patty has kind of spiky bleached white hair. Mm -hmm. All right. Now you know what to picture. Moby. So Benny was Australian. He had a pretty thick accent. As I came in, he was starting to tell his story about having a vision of an Australian magpie. And he was trying to describe this bird for us. And he said that he had actually been very afraid of them when he was a child. They were mm -hmm. big, big birds and intimidating. Mm -hmm. And, you know, who can blame him? All the animals in Australia are pretty intimidating. Uh, hi, this is Carrie Poppy. I went to Australia recently. Mm -hmm. I saw them birds. They were amazing and wonderful. But you are known to like birds. That's true. Okay. To be a sane and appreciative person when it comes to birds. He had a waking dream, he said this was. Okay. So essentially he was daydreaming, daydreaming. Uh -huh. about a magpie. And the Mahanta used this vision of the magpie to encourage him to encourage a friend at work. Okay. So he did that. And <laughs> he said, ever since then... That bird has become my favorite bird. Aw, okay. But I like this guy. My thought was exactly the opposite. Like, this was a really boring story. It is a boring story. But he comes <laughs> around to liking a bird. Uh, fair. And so then Patty gets up and she demonstrates her craft. She tells us the story and she says... Oh, that was a demonstration of his storytelling yes, craft. Uh -huh. Oh, whoopsie doodle. It, okay. Right. No, these are like... Now I see. Exactly. Here, let us show you our delivery of these stories and then we'll unpack just how great these stories are. Oh, no. Okay. All right. So 
Patty gets up and she says, so my wife and I lived in Oregon and I was doing the hue one day and I saw a hummingbird and it came to me and I said, what's your name? And the hummingbird said, my name is Friendly. Wait, is this in a dream? Uh, She was doing the hue outside. I'm guessing another waking dream. Okay. And so the Mahanta in that moment filled her with the assurance that she is never alone. Aw. I thought, well, she has a wife. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> true. True. But okay. Yeah. She was feeling alone and Mahanta made her feel better. And uh, this this is me paraphrasing, but I wrote in my notes here. Any questions about how great our stories are? Because that, essenti- oh, uh-huh. that was essentially what the next part of this discussion was. Like, please, everybody, just point out what good things we just did. Oh, right. In these what stories. did you notice in this? Yeah. Uh, but it, it was even more blatant than that. Okay. It was just kind of, oh. So people were uh, pointing out that, uh, okay, there's a, an emotional component in both of your stories. Yes, very good. <laughs> Another pointed out, well, you both had problems that you were trying to solve. Yes, excellent. Yeah, exactly. Another said, well, you shared a spiritual principle, something about Ekankar, mentioned the Mahanta. Yes. Okay, good. Yes, exactly. Someone raised their hand and is like, every story should have a bird. You know, I should have pointed that out. Yeah. Because I had definitely seen that connection. Yeah, it seems like maybe make your examples a little more different, guys. Patty also was saying, and did you notice how like I started mentioning that my wife and I live in Oregon or we're living in Oregon? And, you know, that communicated to people that I have a wife and that that interests <laughs> them because for most people that's unusual. Oh, 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 because she is a woman. Okay. Right. I, th- I thought you were saying, I said I have a wife and that communicates that I have a wife. <laughs> it's like, oh, we're not digging deep here, are we? <laughs> right. But, uh, but it, okay. It was a way to get people's interest. You know, okay. that was something a little out of the ordinary. I'm okay. a woman with a wife. Yeah, all right. Fair enough. Unfortunately, okay. in this culture, that is a little... A little unusual. So that took all of a few minutes, but then they said, okay, now we want you to break up into groups. Oh, no. (laughs) And discuss how great we are. (laughs) Well, that would be one thing. They want us to tell our own stories. Okay. About birds. About daydreaming about birds. Practice sharing an Eck-related story that's important to you. And I thought, oh, goodness. Again, I just wasn't feeling hugely energetic that day. Oh, what story am I going to tell? But I got paired up then with Joan. And she was an older African-American woman, much older than I would have thought she was. Turns out she's 75. Oh, wow. I would have put her in her 50s at most. Wow. And uh, she said that she found Eck originally looking for a spa day on her 50th birthday party. Okay. And I was thinking, well, how long ago was that? Last Uh, week. Right. And she said that she went to this one particular spa and the young woman taking care of her just seemed so sophisticated. She asked her, well, how old are you? Age was an important part of the story. And the young woman said, oh, well, I'm 25. And she said, oh, because I would have thought you were my age. And the woman said, well, I would be 53 if I was still living in, you know, from my past life, but I died earlier than I was supposed to. Oh. I'm an old soul trapped in a younger body. Wow. Yeah. So this intrigued Joan. She wanted what to know a thing more. to say at the spa. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But this is the best part. Well. Is it? Okay. I don't, I don't know if I feel right now that I've called it the best part. Oh, but okay. This so is she, a good part. Well, she was telling the story about her former life, and she said that she and her family were beheaded by the Third Reich. Oh, my God. 
Okay. So I see what you mean by maybe not the best part. Right. But the uh, it's a dark story. But was beheading a common way to kill people? Oh, right. In that, World War II Germany. Uh, it seems possible, but yeah, not not what you usually hear about in that particular a horrific event. Yeah. So and you know this is a story being told twenty five years after the fact. So yeah. Oh, so I assume she's talking about her other incarnation oh she and her family you said yes oh okay so then then i guess her soul was like dormant for a long time i guess that so. didn't happen 25 right years the ago. timelines don't match up yeah, okay. and was there an interim life i'm not sure but huh. somehow her life was cut short and she has a lot of sophistication that comes from remembering her previous lives yeah you know past life regression doesn't get enough credit for What's the word? Kind of like cultural appropriation, you know, for sort of stealing other people's trauma mm-hmm. and then being like, yeah, I went through that too <laughs> yeah. because I was another person. All right. <laughs> yeah. Kind of gives me the willies. Yeah. We talked about that before. I remember in a previous investigation, it was very common for people to have a past life memory of being a Native American. Oh, yeah. Right. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Unless you're a Native American. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so Joan was living in Florida at the time, and she was very curious to find other Eckists. And there was uh, a group, but it was very small. And so she saved up and went to visit the Eck Temple in 1994. That was very impressive to her. She saw the lectures being given there, and she went, oh, this this is for real. So she's been involved ever since and kind of saved up money again. And since this was her 25th anniversary as an Eckist and also her 75th birthday, oh wow, she, she was coming out to this seminar to celebrate. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. So that was a lot of fun talking to her. And then her story took up pretty much all the time that we were sharing our stories. Oh, no. Wait, so I'm trying to connect the first story to the second part. So did it turn out the young woman was an Eckist? Oh, yes. Oh, okay. That was her transition from the past lives to telling Joan, this is how I know about them because I've studied with Eckenkar. Okay, got it. That's an interesting story. Mm Mm-hmm. I had maybe just like a minute then to share a story with her. So I told the story of doing the bibliomancy exercise at the temple and how I had found the passage that kind of loosely answered my question about how you could tell if this was true. Mm -hmm. And it said something about, you know, if this were false, you would see X. Mm. So I I told that story. And as far as X stories go, not bad. Mm -hmm. Though now I realize I could have told my B story. Oh, sure. Totally wasn't thinking about my B story. Yeah, yeah. And by B story, he doesn't mean like backup story. He means (laughs) a B plot. Yeah, right. (laughs) So then they had us refer to this handout they'd given us that gave us all of the templated components of a good X story. Oh, good. Okay. Because I started noticing in this conference certain sort of outlines of how these stories were going. So I was excited that you were going to this. Here it is. This is the outline. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I'm showing it to Carrie. How to tell your ex stories to inspire others. So there's boxes. Most of them are one sixth of the page. The first box is split in half. So each one is a twelfth. So the first one is spiritual principle and ek feature. And then you go to the second of the six boxes, key events in the story, turning point, benefit, what you learned or gained spiritually, opening statement. Okay, okay, great. With spiritual principle and ek feature Uh and closing statement 
with benefit included. Oh, I'm so proud. Okay, so I noticed later in one of the talks, I finally wrote it down somewhere here that like, oh, they use what I call a boom statement. Ah. I'm sure I'll find this later in my notes, but it's something you're told to do for TED Talks, which is like you say a sentence that just sort of doesn't feel introductory. It almost feels orphaned and it's supposed to just like capture your attention right away. So if I came right on stage and the very first thing I said was Allison had never gone to the dentist you know and it just uh-huh. feels like what why what what's happening like they kind of want to evoke that yeah. response and I kept noticing that in these so I was, I was wondering if the first sentence would be mentioned okay I see yeah. it was you gotta you gotta have your hook so they broke down each of these pieces uh, so first of all the spiritual principle that's the universal truth that resonates with someone regardless of their background you want to be able to say something and you know even if they're not an ekist it'll resonate with them they'll go oh yeah that's part of the human condition yeah and they emphasized even atheists can connect with this oh wow okay that's Gr- important yeah wow uh and then your ek feature that's going to be the aspect of the ek teachings that helped you realize that truth, the truth that you're trying to convey. Oh, yeah. So we got some examples. A spiritual principle that could appeal to everyone is that soul exists because God loves it. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Even atheists could get down with that. Oh, right. Or another one was karma. So okay. you could have that as a spiritual principle. Everyone could kind of resonate with that. Okay. And then some ek feature examples were the hue mm-hmm. or a dream or mm-hmm. a spiritual exercise. And most of those are just singing the hue, but sure, we've been assured that there are other spiritual exercises. And most of your daydreams will be about birds. And contemplation. So these are all things that can kind of tie it into Ekankar. All right, and then we're supposed to relay the key events. We should hope so. You're telling a story. <laughs> so these have to be events that Don't happened. Don't forget, the, the story is about something happening. Though already I'm thinking, you know, with these finely little crafted nuggets of stories feels like you're just by necessity simplifying them leaving out important things just to make it fit and seem cleaner than it is absolutely which then when your whole religion seems to be mostly that it starts to feel like everyone's just sort of buffeting each other and Mm -hmm. keeping each other going it reminds me of those little uh daily devotionals Mm-hmm. That would have just this little nice story, and it's so denuded of information that you feel like this never happened. Yeah, yeah, chicken soup for the soul. Yeah, those yep. kind of stories. Like, oh, you just made this up. I loved those as a kid, though. Oh, really? I had like ten chicken soup for the souls. I had one Western civilization teacher who would read us one of those every day. Aww. You could tell he was just so moved by them each time. Oh. <laughs> And they even said when summarizing the key events, just focus on the ones that move the story forward or connect to the spiritual principle. Yeah. So, yeah, simplify. Yeah. Not Which, right. to be fair, that's how anybody tells a story. Yeah. But once you recognize the formula, it just feels formulaic. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, and then there's the turning point. Okay. So that's the pivotal moment where the situation changed or you made your spiritual discovery. So that's when you realize, oh, actually, I like like the Australian magpies. Right, okay. Mm -hmm. Or I'm not alone. (laughs) Yeah, really good. And then the benefit. What did you gain spiritually from the experience? How did it change you? How did it help you as soul? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, whenever we mention soul, we really drop drop the article in Eck. Yeah. You are soul. You're light as soul. You're not a soul. 
no, mm-hmm. no, no. You are soul. You are soul. Yeah, it's kind of interesting that they still say the Mahanta. They don't say Mahanta. Mahanta. Yeah. Ah, good point. Ah. Ah. And then they mentioned the Ek Arahata. We've talked about that before. That's someone who shares the teachings of Ekankar with others. Mm-hmm. And that's the tradition of storytelling that conveys spiritual messages. So essentially, we're learning to be Arahatas. Oh, right. And in their tradition, the Arahatas are sort of just higher up Chelas. Chelas being students, mm-hmm. right? So at this point, we've gotten example stories. We've turned to each other and shared some stories with each other. We've looked at this diagram. What have we neglected to do at an Ekankar meeting? The hue. We haven't done the hue. Okay, everybody, let's stop and sing the hue. I forgot to mention we did the hue at my. I was going to say, too. you got to tell me it was, that there it was, was a quick, hue. But yeah. <laughs> so we did that. They said, while you're doing the hue, ask the master to shine a light on those aspects of your story that will help the seeker reach the sound and light of God. Okay. So I did that. (laughs) And what did you determine? Which aspects of your story do you think are going to help the listener see the sound and light of God? Well, I felt that I was offering an interesting exercise that doesn't get talked about as much, and that's that bibliomancy. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to buttress my story of being at the temple and having my question answered. Uh, So we were supposed to fill in our template, so I was busily writing in there. Oh, also, I should say the room had about 80, 90 people in there, somewhere in that range. So well attended. Yeah. Felt like a lot of people there. Um, One of those separate ballrooms within this convention center. Someone asked if you want to have just one spiritual principle or if maybe you can have a few in there. Oh, right. The answer to that was, well, you know, there's no hard and fast rules to it, but probably just one or very few. Mm -hmm. Which makes sense. Which can be tough if you're talking about dreams. Fair point. And Benny was saying that, you know, I mentioned Mahanta when I was telling the story, but that's because we're all Ekkas here. We understand that. But I sure. might modify that in my expert storytelling if mm. I was telling this to a coworker. What might he use instead? He might either explain the term then and there or right. yeah, he, a wise man or something. Right. Yeah. Okay. A spiritual guide, something mm-hmm. like that. Okay. And then when they're hooked, when they're interested, then you can say, well. Actually, it was a man named Harold Clemp. Tree Harold Clemp. I keep his photo on my desk i just made this a lot weirder (laughs) (laughs) and of course we want to leave them wanting more sure and and with every explanation they would kind of tie it back to their expertly delivered stories oh yes oh these are just what a tale so good so then they had us break up and tell someone else a story or the same story. So I connected with James. Uh, he was a gentleman from British Columbia. Uh, he had uh, very happy eyes, I would say maybe in his early 60s. Okay. So he told me the story of how he was in a head-on car crash and rushed to the hospital. Oh, gosh. Yeah, scary stuff. When he was in the hospital, he remembers being rushed around in a gurney And he saw lights in the corridor kind of zooming past him. Yeah, sure. And he's being pushed under them. Yeah, and that reminded him of a story that Shri Harold told about having a hip injury when he slipped on some ice in his driveway and fell and hurt his hip. They took him to the hospital and he had lights rushing past him. And so in that moment, James realized I'm being connected with his experience and that story he told me. Yeah. This seems uh, very generous of James to see it that way. <laughs> yeah. So that 
you know, pretty banal detail in the hospital experience we all have, but uh, but good. He got something out of that. I guess that's the benefit of Shri Harold telling all these mundane stories yep. is that eventually you're going to encounter those same things in your mundane life. Yeah. And connect true. with them. That's true. There's some ice out there. That reminds me of that time he was talking about ice. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. He told me about his trip to the supermarket. I'm at the supermarket. Well, was he okay after? Yeah, that seemed to be less important to the story. Okay. But yeah, yeah, he did recover. Okay, good, good, good. And he mentioned that he's a lifelong echist. You know, in a past life, I too had a head-on collision and then was rushed under a bunch of lights. So I understand. In a past life? Yeah, in a past life. Oh, wow. So I too have gone through that trauma. Yeah, oof, boy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you really understand what yeah, it's totally. like. Yeah, No, this might as well be my story. And so then they had a, a very relevant, I will say, clip of Shri Harold himself that they played for the room that had him saying that people want your stories, not a list of facts about Ekinkar. So it was just underscoring this whole point that, yeah, we should be storytellers. This is what really convinces people. And really this whole weekend we were hearing stories yes. in exactly this format yep. and varying levels of unimpressiveness. <laughs> It is true. We are storytelling animals. Mm -hmm. And anecdotes are, I actually gave a talk once called In Defense of Anecdotes. I think think anecdotes are good. It's just you want to back them up with other stuff. You don't just want to rely on them. That's a great point. And I agree. Stories are so important to conveying information. That's how we remember things. Mm -hmm. Those are the bits that we care about and we lock onto. And if there is a character, if there is an arc associated with them, that's what Mm -hmm. we get invested in. So yeah, it makes all the sense in the world, but you're right. It needs to be backed up by mm, data. Data, other evidence. That's the good stuff. So then they encouraged us to enhance the benefit, you know, really make sure that people understand what you got out of this experience and make it relatable and understandable to them. And, uh, you know, know your audience as best as possible, and that can help you tailor your story. All good advice. Mm -hmm. Your closing statement should just reinforce the takeaway. Uh, But again, like if someone's telling me a story and it just feels like that laid on and that thick, Mm -hmm. I think at that point, like if they finish with that finely crafted final sentence, I'm going to be suspicious. Maybe it's just me. And ever since then, Allison has gone to the dentist every six months. Clap, 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 clap. And then Benny even said, and practice it over and over again. You know, I've told this story about the magpie so many times, and every time I tell it a little differently. Wow, okay. It's a great story, Benny. (laughs) This keeps reminding me of how there is a restaurant in my hometown called Magpie, or maybe it's Magpies. Anyway, their menu has this little poem on it that says, Magpie, Magpie, look and see. Magpie, magpie, lift up your tail and good luck come to me. Oh, that's a lot of syllables in the last part of that. That's true. Rhyme. But also, I always thought, what a creepy fucking poem about <laughs> lifting up your tail and showing me your ass. But I think I learned when I went to Australia that that, that is something. Like the, the magpie like bows, Part of its dance or bows something. toward you oh, or whatever. Okay. And then you go, I don't know, some lucky thing. Uh, <laughs> but lift up your tail and good luck come to me definitely evokes a different image in my mind. Makes me think of the Dave Matthews band song. <laughs> yeah. Hack up your skirt a little more You're and show your world to me mm-hmm. in a boy's dream. Oh, this is an Ekinkar song. Is it? Well, it's got a dream in it. Oh, right. We were treated to a quote by Sri Harold from The Language of Soul. Become an expert in something 
you need to be grounded in something. When you do something for God, for the highest principle, you do each step until it sings. It's not as good as your LRH All right. or your church. I got I, I to work on my Shri Harold Klimp. You know, it's important to do the things that are harder for us. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a very fitting quote. We were also told that Shri Harold tells us in Acres of Diamonds not to memorize your talk. So there you go. At least make it seem a little improvised. In Acres of Diamonds? What does that mean? I'm guessing it was a book he wrote or a, oh. a, a talk that he oh, gave. Oh, okay. I just like the, the Yeah, name. that's a-, a good title. Acres of Diamonds. Not to memorize your talk. Yeah, okay. I, I think that's good advice. Mm-hmm. But definitely we saw a lot of people who had heavily memorized their talks this oh, yeah. weekend. Absolutely. Yeah. They also mentioned that Dale Carnegie said something very similar about how you want to speak from the heart and not memory. I don't know if that was in how to win friends and influence people and influence people or something else. else. But apparently Harold was a big fan of Dale Carnegie. Actually, that's very high on my list of books I want to read. I've read it. It's pretty ordinary. Is it? Yeah, it's a, it. Well, as I recall, it's been a good 15 years, but I remember it just being like, you know, be nice and also say nice things. And okay. Give people compliment sandwiches and all, you know, that's sort of basic stuff that it, it might be sort of the, what I call the I love Lucy effect, where at, at the time, very revolutionary, but now has saturated the culture so much ah, that it gotcha. feels old. That could be it. Okay. Yeah. That, that's a good point. My thought was that it would be kind of those social graces for people to whom it doesn't come naturally. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it keeps coming up in conversations that, ah. that Dale Carnegie's ideas, are still relevant. Like, you know, I'll read an article about Warren Buffett. He uh-huh. swears by Dale Carnegie, you know, huh, okay. something like that. Anyways, so uh, there you go. Now I know how to tell the perfect X story. All right. Excellent. Well, can I tell you something that happened in my life that I was like, whoa. Yeah. About? Oh, yeah. Oh, I want to hear it. Allison had never worn a bra. Oh, wow. I, I need to hear more about this. <laughs> but... One day, she went and bought a bra from thirdlove.com. And when she pulled it out of the package, it was purple. And that reminded her of a time that Shri Harold gave a talk about how his favorite shirt is purple. And how whenever right. he wears it, it reminds him of his spirituality, reminds him to sing the hue. And she thought, wow. Every time I wear this bra, even though it's under my shirt, it'll mm-hmm. be my secret hue. And she kind of laughed at that, uh-huh. you know. Oh, I can relate to that, yeah. But I laugh at things. Then she started wearing it to work. And this is where it gets wild. Okay. She, she wore it to work, and one of her coworkers said, there's something different about you. Mmm. They yes. could see it. They could tell. Not the bra, but they could see the change. Well, Hold on. Okay. Okay. So she's thinking, okay, there's something different about me. I know what it is, but, you know, I'm going to keep my little secret. She goes in the bathroom and her bra strap is showing. Oh, because it doesn't slip. It stays. It stays on your shoulder. Right. And she just, oh, man, that's when she knew the Mahanta is real. That's amazing. I know. That was really a perfectly told story. Thank you. Except it had no birds, Carrie. You're right. But at the same time, 
Third Love offers bras in more than 70 sizes, and they're designed with breast size and shape in mind, and you can order them online and try them on at home. And when you go online, you'll find the Fit Finder quiz. You just answer a few simple questions and find your perfect fit in 60 seconds. And there's a 100% fit guarantee. Every customer has 60 days to wear it, wash it, put it to the test, and if you don't love it, just return it, and Third Love will wash it and donate it to a woman in need. And as we've mentioned, Third Love features straps that won't slip, tagless labels, and lightweight memory foam cups, all designed to be super comfortable. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone, so right now they are offering our listeners 15% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash oh no right now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash oh no for 15% off today. But that's not the only story I have to tell, Ross. I want to hear your other stories. I want to tell you about one-star reviews. Do you like them? Well, depends on who they're for. Sure, that's fair. Well, I just found out about this new podcast that uh, has a Jumbotron on this here podcast. Yes, Jumbotron. Yes, Jumbotron time. So this other podcast, the one that's not ours, is called Everyone's a Critic with Jess and Jonathan. And, you know, we used to leave reviews to the experts, but these days any old person can post a one-star review whenever they want. And sometimes those reviews get real bananas. That's why Everyone's a Critic, the internet's first curated volume of other people's opinions, is bringing you the best of the worst in online reviews. Every Wednesday, hosts Jess and Jonathan surprise each other with the funniest reviews they can find on a variety of topics, from deviled eggs to Roswell, New Mexico. That's a super fun premise. I love it. Yeah, so check out Everyone's a Critic with Jess and Jonathan on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. So those two workshops took us to 3.30 in the afternoon, and there were just a couple things still going on, but it seemed like most people were breaking, going elsewhere, and you headed back to the Airbnb. Okay. And I was really curious about a meeting called Your Role in the Destiny of Ekankar. Okay. That was only for people ages 18 to 40. And I thought, I'm 18 to 40. You are. Just barely. Yeah. 36. <laughs> so I thought, okay, well, I've got to at least dip in there. So I was going to go check that out and then join you. But uh, I'll save that for next time. I'll tell okay. you very quickly. But it's kind of fun uh, learning about how they were trying to inspire the younger generation of Ekists. Nice. Uh, I also wanted to say, Ross, happy Pride Month. Why, happy Pride Month to you as well. Thank you. Yeah. Happy Pride Month to you, the listener. And if you are in Texas or thereabouts, we are coming to you. Yes, we've got two shows this week in Texas. First one's going to be in Dallas on June 9th. And then the second one will be in Austin on June 10th. So if you want to go to that Sunday night show, 7 p.m. at Sons of Herman Hall in Dallas, Or if you want to go to the Monday, the 10th show. At the North Door. Then find the links on facebook.com forward slash onrack or carrypoppy.horse or Twitter. Or Google. Google it. Yeah. Google Ross Carry Dallas. Yeah. You'll find them. Ross Carry Austin. This isn't your first rodeo. I'm excited to go to Texas. I really like Texas. Yeah. uh, We've got some fun things planned. So we hope to see you all out there. Yeah. Make sure to come by and say hi. And I hate to say this, but I think this is the end of uh, this particular tour. Oh, my goodness. This tour. (laughs) Yo. So (laughs) that goal has been checked off very thoroughly. Yeah. We said at least three cities and we did it. (laughs) We We sure did. I think we will have gone to like 10 or something. 
That's yep. the end of this. Yep. Yeah, we done did it. Now we're not saying we won't go on tour again. We probably will, but not for a minute. You gotta take a break. Gotta take a break. Been traveling a lot. Been mm-hmm. meeting all of you fine listeners. It's been incredible. That has been the highlight. Yep. Yeah, that's it for our show. Our theme music is by Brian Keith Dalton. Our administrative manager is Ian Kramer. Our editor is Victor Figueroa. I can't wait for him to come back from Peru. <laughs> and you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash onrack, O-N-R-A-C. See pictures of all this, see videos, see whatever we post there. See that stuff. Also go to Twitter and check out Oh No Podcast. Yeah, why not? And maybe you want to leave us a positive review. Maybe maybe five stars, you know, if you got them laying around. Yeah, don't give more material for that other show. Right, exactly. Jess and Jonathan don't want to They've got plenty of other one-star reviews. No, leave us a five-star review. At iTunes or wherever you get podcasts that takes reviews. Or Overcast. Or Overcast. We just learned, I just learned about that. We went to Pod X in Nashville, and they were talking about different podcatchers, pod apps, pod forms, pod forms. So you can also leave us a positive review on Google or Spotify or on Facebook. Pocket Cast, that's another one. Okay, you can rate us on Pocket Casts. Go ahead or do Stitcher. It. We've mentioned Stitcher many times. Or write down, listen to Ona Ross and Carrie, and then in parentheses, it's a podcast. Put it in your laundry room. Don't sign it. Make it as creepy as possible. Take a picture and send it to us. Or on the Microsoft Zune store. Okay. If you somehow can still access That's an that. old thing, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, rest in peace, Zune. Or update your alumni page for your high school or college. You know, everyone has little bios for what they're doing now, but they're always very outdated. Yes. Go and update yours and be like, all I do is listen to this podcast called Ono, Ross, and Carrie. Take a screenshot, send it to us. Oh, and your we'll old MySpace? Delighted. Yeah. No, like your like your college or high school alumnus oh, okay. page. Oh, I, I will also accept an updated MySpace profile okay. or a live journal oh. website. <laughs> okay, yeah. I like it. <laughs> oh, if I may. Yes, uh, I would. May? I would like to dedicate this episode to my cousin, Scott Elias, who just passed away. Oh, yeah. It was very sudden, and uh, he was a fan of the show, and um, I... I, I couldn't be there recently because we were um, in Nashville for his burial. But I uh, just wanted to dedicate this episode to him. Yeah. Say how much I love him. He seems like a great dude. You always played trivia with him. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, he and his family would join me, Scott and Leia and Gabe. He was a, a special expert in music and bad B movies. Ah. So, uh, yeah, Kara and I want to arrange a screening soon where we'll watch things like Chopping Mall. Oh, Chopping Mall. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wonder if he knew that one. Uh, but also Cannibal Women in the Avocado Jungle of Death. Okay. Great. No, he loved that one. Killer <laughs> Tomatoes. Aw. And Plan 9 from Outer Space. Oh, great. A yeah. classic. Those will have to be the first ones we watch. That sounds like Scott was aces. Oh, yeah. Good, fun, very intelligent guy. Well. That's it for our show. And remember. In the words of Shri Harold. Now here's a good one. What role does humor play in spirituality? You know, I wonder if you guys stay up all night thinking up these things. (laughs) They're very good, but still, (laughs) you know. Humor, okay, humor, humor, humor. What is humor? Well, humor is not wit, necessarily. That's something else. 
It's sharp and it bites. And certainly not sarcasm, which is often a part of wit. And it's not comedy, because comedy is what? Comedy can be a combination of all of the above. It can be, you know, sarcasm, it can be wit, it can even have humor in it, it has all this. Way back when, before electromagnetic radiation became such a problem for, for uh, us at home, Joan and myself, we used to watch TV for an hour in the evening. That was our recreation time when we'd have our dinner. And some of the programs, two of the programs we really liked were two British uh, comedies. One was are you being served? I don't know if you remember that. This goes back. But I think her very favorite one was Faulty Towers. <laughs> oh, some of you watched that, huh? <laughs> and some of the situations were very, very funny. But here's the difference between wit and comedy and spiritual humor, let's say. Spiritual humor maybe gets one laughing, but when the laughter starts, there is some content, spiritual content, behind it. So when the heart opens, something good and solid comes in. Whereas in the other forms of humor, comedy, and so on, the high element of spiritual insight and understanding doesn't come in. So I hope that's somewhat of an answer to what role does humor play in spirituality. Thanks for coming. Thank you. Thank you. These are real podcast listeners, not actors. We took the identifying marks off this podcast. Just tell me your impressions. It's really sexy. My first thought is like, Radiolab? Definitely something popular. Yeah, really popular. A hit show. But funny, too. Like, does Tina Fey have a podcast? Or the Marx Brothers? Yeah, is this podcast Radiolab, but hosted by the Marx Brothers? And sexy, like Sade? It reminds me of Sade. Exactly. And they're all riding in a BMW. Close, but not quite. Take a look behind these panels. <gasps> and then watch this rocket blast off into space. Whoa. Ooh. And there's the pies we made you. <gasps> now, let's show you the podcast. Oh. Wow, it was Jordan Jesse Go. Jordan Jesse Go? Hold on. Oh. Whoa. Oh my goodness. That was 514 J.D. Power & Associates Podcasting Awards. That was really scary. But compelling. I guess I should definitely subscribe to Jordan Jesse Go. Um, yeah. I'd say so. Jordan Jesse Go. A real podcast. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.